What's going on, everybody? This is another episode of the Marin Ham Show. I'm your host, Marin, and today's guest, we have a special guest. We have hip hop royalty, um, artist, singer, actress, uh, a woman with many different hats. Leah Robinson, how are you, Leah? I am blessed and highly favored and happy to be on this show and so grateful. So I can't complain about anything. Yep. Yep. As, as blessed as you can be. Yep. Yep. Now you come from hip hop royalty. So, but for those that don't know, expound a little bit on who Leah Robinson is and everything and growing up and everything. Give us that portion. So Leah Robinson is an amazing human being inside mm -hmm. and out. Um, a lot of people may know me from being a musician and singing as well as acting. But where I come from, my grandma, Sylvia Robinson, started the first hip hop label ever. And as a woman and a black woman, it was just something that was kind of <clears throat> unheard of during her time. So mm -hmm. by the grace of God, I was born into this family and now I'm just here continuing on the legacy and just pushing it forward, doing everything that I have to do to take the legacy to the next level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sylvia Robinson, she was an executive before women executives were even up there. Literally. <laughs> so that's, that's amazing to see. And I'm a big hip hop head. So like hip hop history to me is, I love it. I love anything old school, anything that's like, I just love the history of how we came up and what it came to be. Yes. You know what I mean? Because back in the day, you know, Hip hop was just like a, a a DJ thing. It wasn't really like a MC thing. It wasn't like, and then Sugar Hill Gang came across and just took it there to the mainstream side. And then there was the Def Jam records. And so I, Sugar Hill Gang is pretty much the birth of it all mm -hmm. when it came to that. So and it, what were some inspirations growing up? Honestly, it was really just my grandma and Ronald Isley because my grandma, I actually didn't really know who she was until I really got older. Mm -hmm. I just knew that we were going on tour, I, like things <laughs> like that. And Ronald Isley was our neighbor. He literally lived right across the yes. street. So my first performance ever was for Ronald Isley and my grandma inside of her kitchen. And I remember it was to see <laughs> Elliot's um, I Can't Stand the Rain. That was my first performance <laughs> ever. <laughs> nice. So those are my inspirations. I kind of like was just influenced by the people that were around me. And still to this day, I feel like I'm kind of like that as well. Like my friends are my biggest inspirations. The people around me are my biggest inspirations. So I've kind of had that trait since I was younger. That's sheesh. So do, do you feel like overwhelmed sometimes? Like the, 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 like the, I have so much to live up to. Do you feel overwhelmed at times or? I never feel that. I don't know if other people do, but I don't know if it's just because I've always just been in this mentality of running my own race and whatever is meant for me to do and whatever God has for me is for me. And he has allowed me to do some exceptional things, things that I have gotten on my knees and prayed for. And he has surpassed those things. So like, I really feel like there is no pressure and I just, I don't know. I just know how to live my life. I know how to do it peacefully, walk gracefully into any situation and space and like, honestly, just do what I'm here to do. Mm -hmm. So I don't really ever feel the pressure that a lot of other people may feel just because right. I don't allow myself to feel that. I allow right. myself to do what I'm here to do. And that's it. 
Yeah, I mean, especially nowadays with like the social media and everything, everybody's like so like it's it's become almost like a race thing. It's not even a marathon anymore. It's like they see people doing well. It's like, oh, I got to get there. I got to get there. I got to get there. It's yeah. like, run your own, run your own race. Literally. And I like I've always been a person who studied successful people. And that's a trait that I always feel like I hear, like, take your time. Your journey mm-hmm. is your own journey. Like you cannot compare yourself to other people because that's their walk of life. There's some things mm-hmm. that people have been through that you may probably never have been able to get exactly. that's for them to get through and for them to tell their story. But for me, I'm just, I'm excited to see what God is doing for me. Mm-hmm. Like to be honest, I yeah. want nobody else's life. I love my life. I love who I am. I love who I was. I love who I'm becoming. Mm-hmm. So I mean, everything is a 360 thing anyways. Like the industry is a 360 thing anyway. It's like you every it's a small industry. So you, we might have different paths, but mm-hmm. somehow, some way we're all meeting in the middle. Definitely. You know, it's like, wait, how do you know this person? How do you know that? Well, I know this person from this person's. You yep. see, like your journey was different than mine. But guess what? We're in the same room. And that's why I tell people also, you have to be so careful how you treat people like I will applaud myself on that. I treat the janitor the same way I would treat Obama with the same amount of respect mm-hmm. in class because you don't know where somebody's going to end up, where you're going to see somebody again. And like, I've seen people be in that space where they're like, oh, damn, like I talked to that person crazy one time and now they're here and now they're a boss. I'm like, yeah, you never know. Mm-hmm. So I just try to treat everybody the same with respect and that's it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause I mean, the same way we can, you you can come up is the same way you can go down and you mm-hmm. might have to go meet that same person you look down on that while part. you're at the bottom. So it's careful, be careful the advice you take, you know, cause it could take you far as well. So it's, it's definitely one of those now coming from hip hop royalty, what is the best advice you've gotten and something that you still apply today? Um, don't talk about it. Just do it. Mm-hmm. I feel like my dad, now he's in charge of the label since my grandparents have passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, so my dad is a, a person who doesn't really respect the talking stage. He respects the execution stage. Mm-hmm. And I feel like not that I feel like I have anything to prove to anybody, him included. We just had a conversation where I was like, daddy, you know, I have nothing to prove to you. Right. Like I yeah. love, you, but I don't care. <laughs> like, but he's a very much like, just do it. Like, I know you have all these beautiful, great ideas, but I want to see it come to life. And I think that was something that I really learned from my dad and something that I really love. Like my mom will support me saying, I want to go to outer space right now. My dad will support when I come back from outer space. (laughs) He's like, all right, I want to see you come down now. Like that's, that's his thing. So, um, I've learned that just, you can talk about it, but execute it too. And I feel like God gives certain people, certain gifts and certain visions and things that they have to do while they're on this world. So I feel like you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's important. It's very important. It's, it's talking about it is one thing, but doing it, it's, it's a whole different feeling when you do it. And it's like, get accomplished. It's just like, I got it done. It's like, yeah. wow, I didn't have to talk about it. It's just doing it. It's that whole different feeling. And that motivates you to do something else. Mm-hmm. Some people, some people get comfortable. Like they reach a goal and they get comfortable. Like, okay, I'm comfortable here, but then they get lost in the process. Oh yeah. I'm actually the reverse. I feel like I'm so, once something is executed, I already have like a list of 10 other things that I plan on executing and that Mm -hmm. I want to do that I'm genuinely now learning to 
see what I've done, enjoy what I've done, enjoy the process of it and be like grateful. Like, wait, you this started off as an idea. You executed it. You should acknowledge yourself for that now. Mm-hmm. So mine is kind of the reverse thing, but we're all still growing and learning here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I started this podcast like two years ago, but it was during the pandemic. I was like, wow, because I'm a photographer originally. You know, I do photography for, for a living. And the pandemic happened and I was like, wait, what, what's next for me? Because I was so complacent. I was so comfortable. I was like, yeah, photography. I, I met all these connections. But I was like, wait a minute, the pandemic happened. Everything slowed down. I was like, what do I do next? Mm-hmm. And I was like, how do I stay connected with people? How do I? I was like, I'm very good at making pitches. <laughs> I'm very good at a pitch. So I was like, why don't I start a podcast? But even that was like, I'm going to start it tomorrow. Tomorrow came, never did it. Mm-hmm. So another day. And I was like, oh my God, you know what? I got to do it today. So I started slowly. I was like, okay, what's a topic that I can do? Oh, people behind the scenes, managers, executives. I want to hear their stories because that's important. You know what I mean? An artist doesn't move without the person behind it. That's a fact. So it's like a broken clock. A clock doesn't move without the pieces working behind it. That's how I viewed it. I was like, you know, so let me interview executives. Let me interview managers. And then that can kind of pinpoint me to stay connected with people. So it's, yeah, I love that. So it was a long process, but you know, I got it done. And, and after I got it done, I was like, this feels really good. Let me continue on. Let me continue on. Let me do it. Let me do it. And you know, the same pitch, same pitch, the same pitch that I gave you, I use that same pitch with everyone. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a copy and paste thing. You know, it's a copy and paste, copy and paste, and, and it works. So, so it's just a matter of staying consistent with it. Uh, you mentioned you were neighbors with Ron Isley. Yeah. Um, that's that's pretty legendary. That's pretty gangster. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you still keep in contact with him? Or are you still like connected oh, with yeah, him? Or family? I just did his sister in law's makeup the other day because Ronald nice. had he just released the album. Um, that is really, really incredible and really good. So you guys should definitely check that out. But every time they're on the East Coast, we go to dinner with them and his family every single night. Every show that he has, we're there. We are really like family. Um, we have been that way since I was younger. I've always mm-hmm. seen my family and Ronald's family just be super, super close. And as I got older, their relationship just grew. So they're just really great, solid people. And outside of being talented, I actually, I don't care about people's talent anymore. I really care about their heart and how good of a person right. they are outside of their talent and they have always proven to be such great people mm-hmm. who just so happen to be talented who just have, exactly. really awesome <laughs> like, yeah, and, 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 and i mean their music is still relevant today because it's it's been sampled so many different times mm-hmm. so that's that's pretty legendary that you guys are still connected and keeping that i don't think his music i don't think their music will ever die no never <laughs> it's just Cause I find myself like listening to a hip hop song and I'm like, where's that sample from? And it's like Ron Isley. It's like, yep. Jesus Christ, these people are just Jesus. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 and then you, for you to be neighbors with them and still not have no idea. I was like, wait, what is this? And then eventually you're like, wait, Ron Isley, what a legend, super blessed. Just like your single blessed. you know what I mean? Amen. Yes. So it's, it's, you're also a humanitarian. Yes. Well, like I was going through it and I was like, wow, she's done so many things. And, uh, <laughs> what are some of the causes you're part of? Um, well, I grew up with Comedy Cures. That was started by my best friend's mom. Um, I started with them since I was in second grade. And that was literally just bringing um, 
comedy to just different either hospitals or group homes. We really just wanted to bring comedy to certain areas where people were either underserved, underprivileged or sick. And um, once I started being comfortable with my singing and knowing that that was something that I wanted to do, it became more so towards like, okay, I'm going to sing for these people now. I'm going to like really go on stage and talk to them and like, and give them something to smile about and really just be about that. And I've always just been a helper. I love helping people. I love loving on people that really need it. And I have a thing for the underdog. Like it's something within me that (laughs) I root for the underdog the most. I want you to win. And I don't care what type of space a doctor tells you you're going to be in in a month. I don't care what type of space your um, group home tells you you're going to be in in two months or a week. I will be that force to make you feel like everything is going to be okay. And I've always had that. And I've always loved doing that for people. I love Mm -hmm. making them feel good and making them smile. Um, And as of recently, I just did something with um, Metaviver, which is also for breast cancer awareness. And a lot of a lot of breast cancer organizations, they don't tap into like the stage four because they feel like once you've hit stage four, it's kind of really nothing that they really can do. Right. Yeah. But that's what stood out to me. Like, I want those people to still feel like they have a place where they can learn about what's going on. They have a group of people to talk to them. They have somebody like me that if they just need a song, they going to get it. And it's just yeah. like, I've always been that before Instagram. Like some people just do it for the cameras and that's cool for them. Right. But I've been about this life since I was younger, like on and off camera. This is something that I've been doing and that I love to do to really help people. Yeah. I've read that it was like, you started like 15 or 16 or something like that. Yeah, it was it was younger when I was 15 and 16. That was when I was like officially in a group with my best friend. And we really just travel the world singing songs, bringing awareness to different issues around the world. But before that, it was me, her mom and her doing these events, going to different hospitals, making kids laugh, bringing comedians there, making them laugh, bringing people joy. So even before then, I've always just been a humanitarian person and just loving to give back to people. It's a good feeling. It's a, it it's is. A, it's, it's a great feeling, and it just makes you want to do it more and more and more and more. And, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, if they, if if you get to leave a smile behind, as if that's the only thing you could do, then hey, you did something. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Sometimes that's all people want. It's yeah. a smile. I did. Um, what did I do? Was this last year? Last year, I did a give back on Valentine's Day where I went to a couple different shelters. I rented a sprinter. We went into the city and we gave roses out and clothing out to so many families and so many people. And the men who got roses, the smile that was on their face was like, oh my God, nobody's ever given me anything like mm-hmm. this. This rose. But it's just like those types of acts. Like, I just want people to smile. I don't care where you are in your life. You deserve to be able to smile and be happy about something. Mm-hmm. It's it's very important. Yeah. I mean, cause I mean, uh, and this is way outside of like what we're talking about, like in Cuba, for example, kids, for example, when they see chocolate in Cuba, they, they get really happy. They don't even eat it. They save it because chocolate is something rare over there. Wow. You know, I, when I, okay. When I heard that, I was like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, because my mom's friend went and she was like, yeah, he like brought chocolate with him. And then when he gave it to one kid, kid just looked at it and saved it. Didn't even open it. Didn't even eat it. Didn't even I was like, really? It's, it's, it's crazy. It's, you it's, take for granted. Yeah. It's the little things. I mean, we live in America, so we have like, we kind of have everything. It's like so 
which is like we pick and choose and we're always complaining about stuff. It's like you should go outside this country a little bit more. Honestly, when people have a lot to say about like things like that, I'm like, have you traveled the world before? Because yeah. you're not giving me the vibe that you have, because yeah. if you, have, you see that people outside of here treasure everything like yeah. it's their last. Like it is the most like awakening experience to have when you travel the world. When I hear somebody complain, it's like, you should see where I come from, bro. And then they they kind of like, whoa, like, stop complaining. Do what you need to do, bro. Because it's Literally. a lot of people out there are just like, they wish they had a nine to five like you do. Right. They wish they had something like you do. So it's like, or oh, student loans, student loans, student loans. It's like, yeah, some people wish they had student loans. <laughs> wish they had to go to college. I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did not. They got student loans, maybe. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, but but it's it's it's, it's the little things that matter yeah. for sure. Um, outside of everything you do, what are some hobbies you like to do? I love sleeping and I love eating. <laughs> okay. When I tell you I want to travel the world and get paid to eat good vegan food and critique it like Gordon Ramsay, I cannot wait. I love I love my music. I love performing. And I think just because I'm so used to that, like, it's just a thing that's within me and it will, it will always be inside of me. Like my other talents and hobbies. Oh man. If you give me 20 minutes, I'm going to enjoy some good sleep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I just, I also just really love eating a lot and mm-hmm. cooking for my friends and people that I care about. I'm super, super vegan. I do herbs a lot. So like a lot of people, they'll come to me just so that I can prepare them teas or prepare them just a good meal for them to eat so that they feel good. So like anything around that and helping people is my thing. I love, of course, I have my brand People Blockers. So that's my um, <clears throat> my clothing brand that started mm-hmm. about four years ago. And that was honestly to just block away any type of negative, anything, people that don't serve you. That is what the brand is about and manifesting the life that you love and that you want. So my brand keeps me super, super busy as well. Um, so I enjoy that too. I feel like I love walking somewhere and seeing somebody in one of my pieces, or I love going online and seeing somebody like, mm-hmm. oh wait, somebody bought my thing in like India. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm getting like real orders like that now. And that's just so rewarding to me because these are things that I started planning out in my bedroom a couple of years ago. And now to see them in real life, I'm like, whoa, that was cool. That was a seed mm-hmm. and it grew into this. Mm-hmm. And it's isn't it amazing when you see somebody outside of the country supporting something that's like, oh, yes, this is outside of my country. Like, though, I feel like like even with hip hop, you know what I mean? Like hip hop, I feel like people in Europe, they support old school hip hop more than they do here. Absolutely. You know, that's why a lot of artists are like traveling to do tours overseas. Mm-hmm. And they see the yeah. revenue. It's like, wait, there's like, you see like Pitbull, you know what I mean? Pitbull is kind of irre- irrelevant in America, but overseas, he's big. Yep. You know, he's still making tours happen. He's still, because it's the type of music. And then Wu-Tang is like in Japan and China. Like there's, it's, yeah, like overseas market is completely different from over here. Yeah, I got to make my rounds over there. <laughs> it's it's a completely different beast over there. Like I when I every time I go to Europe, they're like they're still cranking like Biggie Smalls from 90s from like the 90s. Oh. And I was like, "Wait, this is like this doesn't happen." It's like I rarely hear new music in Europe. Rarely. It's very rare. Cuz They love just, music there. I love their support of music there mm-hmm, for sure. Mhm. 
now, if your life had a soundtrack, which three tracks would you pick? Oh my gosh, that what a question! Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I will say, who's that song by Journey Jump? Definitely, that's one of my favorite songs because it's just like, what are you waiting for? Like, you mm-hmm. might as well jump. What are you waiting for? Yeah. Um, I feel like my grandma one of her songs has to for sure be in there, but my grandma as a whole is like a soundtrack in itself. Like, um, so I would just say her, all of her songs, honestly, because they all have kind of inspired me in some sort of way. And Leah Robinson blessed for sure. Nice. For sure. I just feel like God blesses me in so many ways, unexpected ways, ways that I prayed for, ways that I didn't. Like, I'm just a very blessed human being. And I really think that that has to do a lot with the person that I am and the love that I give to people. And I feel like I'm in my rewarding season right now. Like every good that every good deed that I have ever done is coming back to me. And it feels really, really special. That's Whoa. I haven't heard those types of songs in a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's crazy. And you're also songwriters and you do engineering and you're, you do so many different things. And uh, when you write a song, how do you go about preparing for it? Every song is different. Sometimes it just comes out and it just flows and I have an idea and it takes me 45 minutes to write it, engineer it, record it and all that. And other times it takes me a couple of days. So it really just depends on what I'm talking about, the vibe that I'm in, who I'm around. Um, mm-hmm. But every time is different. There's no like complete structure to it. Every single time is never the same. You just pretty much go live life and come back to it. And it's like based on your experience, pretty much. Yep. I have to do that. I have to go out and live because I yeah. will feel like I have nothing to talk about. And my team knows that too. They're like, okay, give Leah her time right now. She, she out there living. She'll yeah. come back with some good mm-hmm. quality content <laughs> for us to talk about, but I need to live. That's a requirement mm-hmm. for me. Because mm-hmm. I remember I had one producer here co signed and I asked him, How do you deal with writer's block? And then he said, Writer's block is very easy to deal with. Just don't lie. Hmm, that part. Just, he said, Just don't lie. And I was like flabbergasted. And I was like, Whoa, I didn't, whoa. Like, pause for a second. I was like, Huh? They can't just don't lie. Live life, go back to the studio and just write it. Literally. And boom, there's no, there's, he's like, There should, there should not be writer's block because if there's writer's block, that means you're a fake artist. Either you're, I wouldn't say fake, but it just means that it could be too, like you really are just thinking too much. Like when they say be in the moment, be present, all of those things are real things. Once you start overthinking, you're done. Like I have left the studio before because I'm like, nah, I'm overthinking this way too much. I can't even flow anymore Mm -hmm. because it's not coming out. I'm thinking about everything before I even say it. Mm -hmm. so it's like when you do certain things i understand thinking before you speak for sure but when it comes to music you kind of just got to get it out and just whatever you feel that's whatever you feel and if it's real you got to get it out Mm -hmm. uh and then you're also um before we get to that how do you feel about women finally having like more executive roles in the game how do you feel about that I love it. I'm a woman's woman. So anytime I see a woman shining, that makes me happy. It makes me shine brighter. I love seeing women get there just do. I love seeing women in bossed up positions. I love seeing men acknowledge how powerful women are and how 
much their things are successful because of women and they know it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I love that for us. So um, I love the incline and rise of women. I just want more women to be supportive of women and we'll be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very important. Like you're seeing like, what's her name? Ethiopia run Motown now. Mm-hmm. You're seeing just more executive, like people that I've interviewed here are mostly women and they've started from like assistant roles to, you know, internship roles to now they're executives. Yep. And it's just amazing to see. And I'm just like, huh. I look back at my list and, I, and my the episodes. I was like, wow, I've interviewed a lot of boss bitches in this shit. Okay. Like I've interviewed a lot of like, I love to see it. And it's like, because for me, like I said, tons of time here, I prefer to work with women mm-hmm. because they get shit done. Yep. When you work with when you work with a man or uh, it's the ego comes in. Totally. And it's like, get out of your, get out of your ego, bro. Like you gotta just get out of that ego and just start doing something else. Yep. And ego kills a lot of things. Yeah. So I, I love, I love working with women. Even Sometimes I feel intimidated because I'm like, fuck, they just want to get, <laughs> they want to get it done now. And it's like, fuck, you know what, Maren? Like you wanted to do this. Right. Get to it, bro. Like, stop being a bitch about it. Listen, uh, I gotta tell myself that sometimes too. We all gotta tell ourselves to stop being a bitch about something. Yeah. So it's. <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, you were uh, expound on the role that you were imposed. In, in expound a bit on that. How did you get that role? How did that come about? Uh, when DJ Khaled say God did, that's what God that's did. what he meant. Like for real, for real. God did that. So I. I'm a huge fan of Steve Harvey and just successful people. And I saw Steve Harvey did an interview and he basically was like, write down a list of 300 things that you want God to do for you. I couldn't get to 300. I got to about 175. And then once I got there, I started adding from there. But one of the things on that list was God put me on one of my favorite TV shows or something greater. Like, please, that's something that I wanted. And I would pray on it every single day when I woke up, when I went to sleep. I would read my list and pray over it. Two weeks later, I got the audition from my acting manager um, and I saw Ryan Murphy's name on it. I'm a huge fan of Ryan Murphy. I love him. He writes one of my favorite shows, American Horror Story, as well as Pose, as well as this Jeffrey Dahmer show and so many other incredible, amazing shows on FX. And um, I got the audition. I Well, I had the audition on Zoom. It was live. And um, I felt it in my soul. I was like, girl, I'll see you later. Like the girl who interviewed me or whatever. I was just like, I'm gonna see you later. I was like, this part is mine. Like, and in my heart, I felt like they're not giving this part to anybody else. This is my part. And my manager hit me up maybe an hour later. She was like, I feel like if you send me a video clip of you voguing, um, you're going to book this part. So I went to the studio, literally 15 minutes later, me and my choreographer, Robbie, we were in there. We sent them back a clip an hour later and they booked me the next day and was like, yeah, <laughs> we want her. And I'm just like, see, God did. God God did. God. <laughs> uh, and then, cause I still, I still have yet to see that, that, that show. Oh, you got to watch it. It's amazing. Yeah, I still have yet to see it. And people are like, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. You just like, especially you got to open up your mind, Mar, and you got to like, because it's a very op- eye-opening show. Yeah, for sure. It's a very eye-opening show. How many seasons? Like four, right? Four or five? Three seasons. Three seasons? Yep. Oh, that's very easy. Is it like 40 minute per episode? Is it like one of those? Just, just about, yeah. Nice. Okay. 
but it's an amazing show. It's written so well. It has some of the most brilliant actors and actresses in it that I was really blessed to be around and build with because a lot of the people that I met on set, I still keep in contact with. I still see them when we're in the same cities together. Like, and it's just, it was a beautiful experience. And a lot of people don't have that to say about when they're on certain sets. A lot of people do go through those egotistical actors and actresses who bring the energy to a weird place. Right. And like you're almost forced to like, damn it, let me just get through my part and just get through the shit. Like I never mm-hmm. had that feeling at, at honestly, the most, the saddest part for me was leaving. I literally, the, one of the other writers on the show um, Stephen Canal, I literally looked at him at the end. I was like, "Y'all sure y'all don't need me for nothing else?" <laughs> like, I could stay. I really could stay if y'all yeah. need me. And it's it was. Good. I'm go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say, which is a rewarding, good, special family feeling. Nothing yeah. bad at all. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just gonna say. It's like you build that bond, that family, like. You know, I mean, I could imagine. I could only imagine like shows that run for 10, 11 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's that, that like, this is my last episode with you guys. It's not even the last episode of the show, but we've been at it for 10 years. But again, you build that relationship, that bond. So, you know, maybe you get called for the next thing. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what you look forward to. So instead of just like, oh, this is, this is not it. This is not a goodbye. This is just, I'll see you later type of deal. For sure. Yeah. Now, NSYNC experience being on tour with them. Oh my God. I love NSYNC so much. I was in love with Justin Timberlake. Oh my gosh. When I tell you that was like the greatest experience ever. Cause that made me feel like, Oh, I want this. I want to be an artist. Like this is, this is something huge and great. And at the time NSYNC had did something I had never seen before. They had that thing where they were like flying over the audience when they were strapped up to like the ceiling or whatever. Yes. And I was obsessed. I was just like, I want this. I want to be able to do things like this. I wanted to be able to like shine like this on stage. Like that was super like big to me. And it just mm-hmm. opened my eyes. And all honesty, I didn't even care about my family on stage. I was just like, y'all cool, but I'll see y'all on a bus. Like I'm here for NSYNC and Justin Timberlake. <laughs> That's it. Crazy. Have you seen the, the documentary on their manager, Lou Perman? I haven't. Where Lou Perman, um, he managed Backstreet Boys and NSYNC at the same time. Oh, I saw he, I saw the Backstreet Boys one. Is that the same thing? No, 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 no. This is strictly on Lou Perman. Mm. Um, he was like, he literally, the reason why Backstreet Boys and NSYNC never really got along is because of him. He divided and conquered a little bit. If you know what I mean? Like he like, he made them go against each other. Lord. And he was like, I don't know. He, he was like a scammer almost. He was like a, a manager, but he was a scammer, but he was like, I'm going to build the biggest boy bands. And he would just fucked with their mind. He fucked with their minds. That's so sad. Yeah. He, he died. He died. Like I think a couple of years back, but the documentary itself is very, very, he was just a mastermind, but he was a manipulator. He was just, he was a fucked up manager, but he built such a prominent, he built two prominent bands. Right. At the same time. So it's a very fucked up documentary. Like, uh, it's super fucked up. You should definitely watch. I forgot. I think it's on Hulu or somewhere, but it's super fucked up. Lou Pearlman. I will definitely look into that. Yeah, and it's super. So I'm, I'm shocked that you probably haven't seen him, met him because he was definitely their manager. He was like this big, 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 really big guy, white dude. I don't know if you've met him before, but 
that's near nor there, but it's such a fucked up story. I was like, wow, he's the reason why they never really got along. Yeah, it's super unfortunate. Fun. That's usually the case, unfortunately, with a lot of people in the industry. It's usually not even the people themselves or the groups that members themselves. It's the people around and putting things into people's ears. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, now, would you ever consider like writing or maybe executive producing a show at some point in your life or like Absolutely. A I have a lot of, um, I actually, I write them out all the time. I already have like a lot of movies and um, a lot of comedy specials written out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, for sure. But I'm just the type of person when the opportunity presents itself, then I'll be ready for it. But I know that my focus is in so many other places right now. Right. Um, but when that opportunity approaches, I will have so much for that yeah. person. <laughs> yeah. What's next for you? What's what's coming up next for you? Um, I'm actually heading out to L.A. I have to go accept my grandma's award. She has just been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, nice. which is awesome. So I have to go out there to um, accept that on her behalf. It's going to be really, really, really dope. Like me and my dad are going to do that together. And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is super dope. And the fact that my grandma's not here, I feel like it's my duty to go there and represent mm-hmm. her the best the best way that I can and receive her award and speak on her behalf. And she was an amazing woman. So mm-hmm. I'm here carrying on this legacy. I got to be That's just true. as amazing. It's, it's It just sucks that it took so long to like for them to induct her like that. It's like it should have been done way earlier. In my you opinion. Know, I think like that too sometimes, but then I'm like, you know what? God's plan is his plan. And I feel like even if it was early, like I always think if I would have been ready for the things that I thought I was ready for when I wanted them, I feel like if God would have gave me the things that I wanted earlier, I would have lost a lot of things and I wouldn't have appreciated it as much. So I'm like, although, yeah, there's a part of me that's like, oh, she deserved this back then. I'm like, it's time right now. And so many other great people are being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall mm-hmm. of Fame as well that I can't wait to meet. So I'm just like, everything is in his timing and he don't make no mistakes. So at this mm-hmm. point, I'm just living and I don't even question it. Exactly, exactly. And then I, I was when I was doing the research, um, one of the interviews, you said that you would play, definitely play your grandma if there was a movie made in regards to this. For sure. That was my girl. Yeah, which is which is rightfully so. You don't want to you don't want to have any anybody else do it but you because you've actually were next to it. Yeah, <laughs> I have. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I I can't wait for. I love stuff like that. So it's like I'm shocked it hasn't been done anything like that. Only you guys have the TV show in regards to that, but like not, not like a movie. You know what I mean? Like a biopic type of thing. Mm-hmm. It's coming. It's all gonna happen in the right time for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, towards the end of the podcast, I have these 10 rapid questions that I got from inside the Actor Studios as I honor its host, James Lipton. Um, the first question is, what is your favorite word? Mm. <laughs> My ass is about to say food. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite word, definitely food, budget, for sure. Mm-hmm money <laughs> um and blessed blessed nice i was gonna ask like what is some of your favorite food because you mentioned you like to cook and like what are some of your favorite foods that you like to like cook or try i'm on this mushroom kick right now i love mushrooms but i have been frying them up so well 
that they taste like chicken almost like they are so good. Even people that do not even eat mushrooms have been eating my food and been loving it. So I love pastas. I love um, making brunch too. I make these really good from scratch waffles and syrup that are so bomb. Like they are buzzing. So like, I just, I love to cook and I love to eat. I think I love to eat more than I love to cook. (laughs) It's fun. Do you have any like favorite foods from outside the country or just like? I love Indian food. I eat Indian food all the time. Nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Love Indian food. Um, what is your favorite? Uh, what is your least favorite word? Flesh. Oh, God. Mm. Hate it. Okay. 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 What turns you on in life? Um, making my parents happy and doing cool shit that they can be proud of mm-hmm. money's cool, but it's like, that's, that doesn't equate to success to me anymore. The more moments that I can give my parents while they're here, mm-hmm. when they can be like, damn, I'm proud of my kid. That shit is rewarding to me mm-hmm. completely. What turns you off in life? People that degrade people, people that try to belittle people. There's nothing inside of me that really like irks me more. Like that's a way to really get me to go to a whole different side of Leah. Like, I don't like to see that. I don't respect people that do it at all. So that, um, yeah, that's not cool in my boat at all. What sound or noise do you love? Mm, Quietness. I love peace. I love being still. I love being up at three or four o'clock in the morning because nobody bothers me during that time. And I'm <laughs> at peace and I can pray and I can meditate and I can work out if I want to. I can do anything that I want to and I'm not bothered. I really love my mm-hmm. peace. Mm-hmm. What so, sound What sound or noise do you hate? Um. Oh God, I hate loud noises. So I hate fireworks. I hate pyro. I hate any of those like super loud noises. Mm-hmm. Are you in the New York area? New York City area? I'm in Jersey. So there's a lot of noise. <laughs> Not in Jersey. It's quiet over here. Oh, we did bird chirping. Yeah, yeah Jersey, is, <laughs> Jersey can be quiet. Yeah, the only spot I know to be quiet in New York City is Forest Hills, Queens. Mm. This is peace and quiet because it's like a Jewish prominent area. So it's very quiet over there. Everyone sounds about right. <laughs> super quiet because that's when I go to New York. That's where I stay, and I, I stay in I stay in Forest Hills because I'm in I'm in the Virginia area. Okay, dope. Area. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what sound or noise do you, um, do you, oh, no. What is your favorite curse word? Fuck. <laughs> nice. Straight I say to that the all the time. I'm like, fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely that. Or bitch. Like, I, this is so bad. Like, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I just, I have a thing. I just, I call people bitches a lot. It's not even a disrespectful way. I promise how people be like, hey, queen. I'll be like, hey, bitch. bitch like, hey, it's, bitch. <laughs> it's a thing. And I don't mean it disrespectfully. People could say what they want to say, mm-hmm. but I just, it's a term of endearment from me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially if you lived in the New York, New Jersey area, the words fuck and bitch is like yeah. super like out there. Literally. It's normal. It's super normal. Mm-hmm. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Um, I went to school for criminal justice. It's really nice. funny because in my yearbook when I was younger, where it says like the three things that you're going to be when you grow up, mine literally said singer, fashion designer, and attorney. So I feel like at some point of my life, when I feel like fulfilled in all these areas and things that I'm doing right now, I will go to school to be an attorney. I love law. 
I love um, just studying just different cases and things of that nature. And mm-hmm. like, that's, that's something that I'm super passionate about. So definitely wow. that. So you watch a lot of the law shows, a lot of like Law and Order and stuff like that. Are you into that? For sure. Definitely into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what profession would you not like to do? I would hate to work at a morgue. That shit would turn me off. I would be sick every day. Mm-hmm. I would throw up every day. That mm-hmm. would be bad. I don't like that shit at all. Yeah, you're like the third person that said that. Yeah, yeah. most of the most of the people are like, I don't want to be a trash person. I'd rather right. do that shit than work at a morgue. Play that much. <laughs> uh, and the last one is, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, you did it, bitch. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> there you go. Yo, the way I be talking to God, I really talk to God like he my homie. So if he said that to me, I wouldn't be mad. I'd be like, you right. I did. God did it. Yes. Like, so yeah, I, I would like that. You did it, bitch. Yeah, there you go, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, any last words you'd like to give to the people? Any shout outs and where can they follow you on the social? Yes, you guys can follow me on all social platforms, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at the Leah Robinson, um, YouTube and Facebook.com backslash I am Leah Robinson and I am dropping weekly vlogs that are super, super dope where you guys can get to know mm-hmm. me even more. Um, stay tuned for even more merch drops from my brand, peopleblockers.com. It is so amazing. Check it out. And all my stuff smells so good. Um, and yeah, just be on the lookout for brand new music. Check out my brand new single. It is so, so good. It's called I Don't Mind. And that's available on all streaming platforms. And I am Mrs. Half Righteous, Half Ratchet. And that's... Yeah. <laughs> I love I love that part. Like when I read that on your Instagram, I was like, Half Ratchet, Half Righteous. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's gangster. That's I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right, guys, this is another episode of the Mar and Ham Show featuring Leah Robinson. Peace. Bye.